Hey everyone, I'm Kevin Wallace from Redemption to the Nation's Church, and I'm grateful that we are going to have this opportunity to bring this message of hope, healing, and restoration to you and your family today. I want you to stay with me till the end. I'm going to come back and pray. Be blessed by the word of the Lord. Haggai chapter 2. Just for a few minutes this morning, I got a thought I want to share with you um, that the Lord dropped in my spirit. In the seventh month, on the 21st of the month, the word of the Lord came to Haggai the prophet saying, Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to the remnant. Somebody say the remnant. Somebody else say the remnant. The remnant of the people saying, Who is left among you who saw this temple in its former glory? And how do you see it now? In comparison with it, is this not in your eyes as nothing? Yet now, somebody say now. Now be strong, Zerubbabel, says the Lord. And be strong, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, says the, the high priest, says the Lord. And be strong, all you people of the land, says the Lord, and work. Mm. For I am with you, says the Lord of hosts, according to the word which I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt. So my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. For thus saith the Lord of hosts once more. It is a little while. I will shake heaven and earth and sea and land, and I will shake all the nations, and they shall come to the desire of all nations, and I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, says the Lord. The glory of the latter temple shall be greater than the former says the Lord of hosts, and in this place I will give peace, says the Lord of hosts. And today I want to preach and just talk for a few minutes on this thought. If we build it, he will come. If we build it, he will come. How many want him to come? That was weak. How many want him to come? It's not a rhetorical question. How many want him to come? And you don't just want him to come on Sunday, but how many need a Monday morning Savior and a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday relationship with a big, big God? How many know he's not just good on Sunday from 10 till 1? How many know God is good all the time and all of the time God is good? If you want him to come, shout hallelujah. Father, give us the spirit to work while it is day. For the night cometh when no man shall work. And while we have daylight and we have spiritual illumination, I pray that the saints in this house and everything connected to this ministry would be stirred in its spirit to advance the kingdom and build it for the glory of God. Now, God, I thank you today for calling us out of any complacency into a place of fervency. And today, with gladness, we will serve you. And we thank you in advance for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, say amen. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. <clears throat> 
Haggai is a post-exilic prophet. In order for you to understand the weight of what he is saying and who he is talking to, it would benefit us to remind ourselves of the history of the people of God and understand that for 70 years the people of God lived in a foreign land called Babylon, exiled in a foreign and strange country. They were taken as hostages, as it were, when Babylon came into the nation of Israel. And through the streets of the city of Jerusalem, they drug the people of God like merciless criminals and animals through the streets. All the way back, they drug them to their city of Babylon. And in Babylon, for 70 years, lived the people of God. Many psalmists wrote of that experience. One of them said in the book of Psalms, we hung our harps on willow trees. Our roof, our, our, our tongue clave to the roof of our mouth. We forgot our hometown, Jerusalem. We forgot the way of life. For 70 years, they had been conditioned to live in this bondage of Babylon. And then history tells us, not just the Bible, but even the historical account that is recorded in history books tells us that a king came through the kingdom of Persia. His name was Cyrus the Great. And he came into Babylon through the rivers of Babylon and he overthrew the Babylonian empire. And upon his overthrowing of the Babylonian empire, he established his own reign and his own kingdom. And it was this King Cyrus who announced to the Jewish people living in Babylon as, as vassals and slaves and as exiles. He announced to them when he overthrew Babylon, you no longer have to stay here. You are able to go back home. And he released them to go back home. In fact, not only did he release him, release them to go back home, but the Bible tells us that Nehemiah was one of the people who was in Babylon at this time, and it was his service to this king that gave him favor to go back to Jerusalem and rebuild the broken walls that had been broken down because of Babylon. It was Nehemiah and Ezra who led the exiles out of Babylonian captivity back to their homeland and not only did they go back to their home country but they went back to restore their way of life and their serving of the Lord and oh if I had time I would tell you about the revival that ensued as the people of God left Babylon and they went back home to Jerusalem and Isaiah the prophet would prophesy about that moment and he said this, therefore the redeemed of the Lord shall return and come with singing and everlasting joy shall be upon their head. I want you to know that when the Jews come out of Babylonian captivity after 70 years, there was no small stir. It wasn't something done in the corner. They broke out their they broke out their praise and they broke out the word and they broke out of all of the chains that had bound them and they went back to Jerusalem thankful that although they were bound they were not bound anymore. 
I tell you, when God brings his people out of captivity and bondage, it's not time to hide it in a corner. It's not time to act like it's just a little something. If the chains have been broken and the Pharaoh has been swallowed up in the water, Miriam, don't get mad at Miriam. You ought to celebrate with her when she breaks her tambourine out and begins to praise the Lord. Some people in this room don't understand the passion and the praise and the crying and the running and the shouting and the lifting of the hands and you you may not understand why we get loud and get a little bit passionate every now and then I tell you why your neighbor may have lifted their voice today above a whisper they remember what it was like to live in Babylon they remember what it was like to have their harp hung on a willow tree and to they forgot the goodness of the Lord but they remember when the Lord restored their, their their fortune and he gave them back their future and every now and then we have a flashback and we we get reminded of the goodness of the Lord and every now and then we just gotta say thank you every now and then we gotta wave a hand or clap a hand or shout to do something to say thank you Lord for bringing us out is anybody glad he brought you out this morning Oh my God, I want to tell you we could never, we should never, we won't ever forget what it feels like to be rescued. I'm not here today because we're perfect and we've got it all together. I'm here today because of grace. I'm here today because of mercy. I'm here today because when the devil had a plan to take us out, God made it a part of his plan to take us into greater. Somebody give God praise. Hallelujah. And they came out of Babylon. And they went back home to Jerusalem and God began to give them favor. He whispered to the heart of this king of Persia, Cyrus. And Cyrus gave Nehemiah and all those working with him everything they needed to rebuild the walls of the city. But when they got back home and they began to settle back into Jerusalem, something happened that all of us in this room can identify with. They got comfortable. And they got complacent. And I found out that when you get comfortable and you get complacent, if you're not careful, you can lose your priorities. And this is what happened to the people of God. They went back to Jerusalem and they had favor. And God was with them and they began to rebuild some things. And one of the things that they began to rebuild was the wall around the city. Another thing they began to rebuild were their houses. But we come to the book of Haggai, the first chapter, and we have a problem. Touch somebody, tell them, Houston, we have a problem. And the problem is not that they weren't living in favor. And the problem was not that they weren't being blessed. The problem was that they were living so blessed that they forgot that the priority of their life was not their own personal success, but it was the advancing of God's kingdom and God's agenda in their lives. And so the prophet Haggai bursts onto the scene. He is a post-exilic prophet, which means that he spoke after exile. There were pre-exilic prophets who spoke to Israel to try to keep them out of Babylon. When they ignored those prophets, God released judgment and they went into Babylon. There were prophets who prophesied in exile. Why? Because in exile they were discouraged and they felt like they had no hope. And it was Jeremiah who came 
came to them and said, for I know the thoughts I have for you, saith the Lord. We always quote that scripture out of context. It was not quoted to a bunch of people who had their ducks in a row and everything was hunky-dory and peanut butter and jelly. These people were in a mess. They were living in Babylon. They had given up hope about the future and they felt like they had no destiny. And it was this weeping prophet, Jeremiah, my God, I feel like preaching today, who said, behold, I know the thoughts I have for you. God said, I'm going to bring you peace and not evil. I'm going to bring you hope and a future. You better hear what I'm telling you today. If you feel like you're screwed up and in a mess and don't know how to get out, there's a voice going through your mind that tells you you're beyond hope and everything that God's got for you is in your past and you'll never see it. And I came to break that lie off your mind and tell you that is not the voice of God. God is not saying you're hopeless and you have no tomorrow. God is saying, hang on, I've got a future. I've got a purpose. I'm going to bring you peace and I'm not going to bring you evil. And the, and, the, and the prophets who prophesied in the exile were trying to keep them strengthened. So pre-exilic prophets tried to keep them out of Babylon. The prophets who prophesied in Babylon were trying to keep them strong and keep them from giving up. And then after the exile was over, the post-exilic prophets, three of them, spoke to the people of God and gave them a blueprint to rebuild their lives. Haggai is one of those three post-exilic prophets. They did not be, need to be condemned. They did not need to be judged. They did not be, need to be rebuked. They needed to be encouraged. They had gotten back home and gotten a little taste of comfort. And they started building their houses and building their kingdom. And everything was going fine until Haggai a seasoned veteran, most theologians believe he was in his late 70s. He is one of few people who was young enough during the first temple to know what the glory of the first temple felt like. He went into Babylonian captivity and come out of Babylonian captivity and when he comes out, he begins to write. He begins to write about the condition of Israel and he says to them, You've lived in your sealed houses long enough. You've built your own homes. And you've said to yourself, this is all in the first chapter of Haggai, you've said to yourselves, it's not time to build the house of the Lord. Isn't that a, a fascinating statement? That the God who brought you out of bondage leads you back home into your your, your, your place of living into the place of blessing, into the promised land itself, and you get back there and they literally for, forgot about God. And Haggai says in the first chapter, I'm not preaching the first chapter, but he says, consider your ways. Four times, consider your ways. Listen to this. He said, you've sown much but reaped little. You ate much but didn't, didn't get filled. You drank a lot but you were not satisfied. You clothed yourselves but were still cold and not warm. You earned wages and you put it in your purse but your purse had holes in it. This is all in the first chapter. They're looking around wondering why nothing is working. And Haggai says, consider your ways. He said, you can't live in your sealed houses while the house of the Lord lays 
in ill repair. So what happens, pastor? What happens when the people of God get more focused on building their houses than they do the Lord's house? What happens when the people of God get more focused on building their kingdom than the Lord's kingdom? I tell you what happened. Nothing works. Nothing works when you don't put the kingdom priority in place. Matthew 6, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything you need in life will be, all these other things will be added unto you. How many know that when the spirit of the Lord is first in your life, when the kingdom God has priority in your life, God just has a way of blessing you with everything you need. I need one witness in this church to say amen if I'm telling the truth right now. They were busy building their own kingdom but they forgot that the most important thing that we can do as people of God is to put God and his kingdom first. And if we put God and his kingdom first everything else will line up. Somebody say amen. So the Bible says that he went to Zerubbabel. Say that five times fast. And he went to Joshua the high priest. Now this is interesting. But Zerubbabel was the governor. Joshua was the high priest. I want you to see that it took both leaders in the marketplace and leaders in the kingdom, in the house of the Lord to work together. I need somebody to catch what I'm saying right here. For for, for far too long, we have looked at the business of the kingdom of God as resting squarely on the shoulders of those who are called into the ministry. And we say crazy things like, that's our minister, or that's our worship leader, or that's our prophet. I want to tell you this morning that when God gets ready to build his kingdom, he doesn't just go tap Joshua the high priest on the shoulder. He goes straight to the governor's office. He says, rubber bell you're gonna have to get with it this I need some help here this is not just for the preachers this is for everybody in every area of life we got to work together to get the kingdom thing done we don't just need preachers to get with it you can't hire out your intercession you can't hire out your worship you can't hire out your investment you and I have got to work together God wants to raise up high priests governors doctors lawyers well I go to church and the preacher ministers to me every one of us have the ministry of evangelism every one of us have the ministry of reconciliation every one of us have the ministry of, of intercession and you and I have the ministry of investing into the kingdom work of God and when we work together something glorious begins to happen the Bible says, I love this. The Bible says that the Holy Ghost stirred up. I feel something here. Stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel. I'm going to preach here. Because we have too many unstirred Christians. 
I'm going to say it again. We have too many unstirred Christians. We come to church one time a week, and if you keep us more than an hour and 45 minutes, we almost get offended and storm out before the final benediction. I'm not mad at anybody. I'm just telling you your priorities are not in order. If you Listen to me. If you and I are trying to see how unspiritual we can be and still be saved, we have missed the boat. We don't need a calm demeanor in this day. We are fighting all hell and somebody's got to get stirred up and say enough is enough. We are not letting you take our children. We are not letting you take our grandchildren. You're not going to have our marriages. You're not going to have our families. My God, Holy Ghost, stir somebody up. Let somebody get stirred up with a righteous cause and tell the devil, if it's a fight you want, you got one. what the book says why are you screaming because I'm stirred I'm a little bit I'm a little bit excited I recognize that but you know what some of y'all got excited last night and you shook your double wide trailer when Tennessee kicked the field goal and then you come in here on Sunday morning and you look at me with my orange tie and you think oh he's just really loud and really excited no I'm stirred up I've got a prophetic picture in my spirit I feel the Holy Ghost on me right now I'm telling you this thing is not going to end up with a church in a cave hiding from the devil we're not going out of business we're expanding I'm stirred up Sinners are getting ready to come in. I'm stirred up. Sick people are going to get healed. I'm stirred up. Freedom is coming to the bound. I'm stirred up. We're getting ready to open another campus or three or four. I'm stirred up. You got any plans of shrinking? No, the kingdom of God is not shrinking. The devil is shrinking. Let God arise and his enemies be scattered. Slap your neighbor, say, get stirred up. Well, they're just, they're just so emotional. Everybody's emotional about something. I get to choose what I'm emotional about. And I have chosen to let my spirit overflow, boil over, get stirred up. It's the same thing that Paul told Timothy. Stir up the gift of God that is on the inside of you. This lame, defeated, weak, milk toast, watered down version of chicken soup for the Christian soul has gotten the people of God absolutely nowhere. We are mesmerized by the God of this world we spend more time on our phone than in the book of God and it's time to get stirred up for the things of God again God stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel can you imagine Zerubbabel after God stirred him up Can you imagine Joshua, the high priest, after God stirred his spirit, he went back and everybody said, what's wrong with them? And Joshua looked at Zerubbabel and said, we're stirred. We're stirred. 
They looked at him and said, what happened to y'all? Nothing. The Holy Spirit stirred us up. I'm telling you, it's time to get stirred up for the things of God. This is not, this is not pure emotionalism. This is an incitement for you and I to get to work and begin to do what we've not been doing. It's not too late to start doing the right thing. So he stirred them up. And the other thing is, oh, Jesus, help. He stirred up the remnant. Well, there were two leaders and a part of the people. I want to tell all the preachers in the room something. Don't get bent out of shape when everybody doesn't get stirred. You got to know my spirit. I want everybody to get stirred. But I learned a long time ago, I'm getting stirred whether you get stirred or not. I wish somebody would just inform your neighbor, I'm getting stirred up right now. I'm getting some stirring up on the inside of me right now. Some of you felt like quitting before church today and something's happening on the inside of you. Some of you felt like giving up before church today, but something's happening on the inside of you. What is that? I tell you what it is. It's the work of the grace of God. It is the work of the Holy Spirit. God loves you too much to let you finish this life lame and limping across the finish line. You've got a divine purpose and it is not to barely make it it is to walk into heaven and to say, look what God did in my life. Somebody get stirred. So he gets stirred up. Zerubbabel gets stirred. Joshua gets stirred. And the remnant gets stirred. I was recently told by some people that we shouldn't use language like the remnant because it is exclusive and it makes everyone feel like they can't be a part. Let me help you something with this participation trophy version of Christianity. God is no respecter of a person, but he is a respecter of principles. And there are people who don't want to pay a price but want the same blessing that their neighbor paid and they're jealous of the one that got the blessing but don't consider the price that the person who got blessed paid to walk in the blessing that they're walking in. The kingdom of God loves everybody. It is open for everybody. I don't care what you did, how long you've been doing it, how messed up you feel. There is a place for you in this house and while you're figuring it out and trying to become what God called you to be, we want you to know you belong in this house and we love everybody but don't you dare get a spirit of criticism and jealousy when you watch God bless somebody if he ever blessed them there was a place where a price was paid and they put something on the altar very few people want to put on an altar my God I'm telling you if you want to be part of the remnant quit complaining about what God's doing in somebody else's life and decide if you're doing it anywhere do it on me do it in my life I don't want to without your blessing. I dare somebody this Sunday morning to draw a circle around yourself and say, God, if you don't bless anybody and if you don't bless anywhere else, bless inside this circle. Bless everything that's connected to me. Bless everything I'm connected to. I want to live for you and your glory. For God, I live and for God, I die. If you ever let God stir you up, if you'll become part of that remnant crazy bunch of 
people who believe in the goodness of God. He'll bless you coming in. He'll bless you going out. He will bless you in the city. He will bless you in the field. He will bless you in spite of your past. He will bless you in spite of your failure. Where sin does abound, grace does much more abound. I, David said, I would have fainted had I not believed I would see the goodness of God in the land. I want to tell somebody I'm going to see it. You're going to see it. You're going to see the goodness of God. You're not going to miss it. Your children are not going to miss it. Your grandchildren are not. I feel like preaching. God is going to bless you coming in and bless you going up. the God of payback in this room. God is about to make the devil pay it back. He's going to pay you back for every sleepless night. He's going to pay you back for every tear you cry. Somebody needs to put on a garment of praise and give God glory. I want to make an announcement. I want to be part of the remnant. Go ahead, sister. I want to be part of the remnant. I don't want to be part of the lukewarm that lose it. I don't want to be part of the leftover that don't get it. I want to be a part of the remnant and say, Lord, whatever you're doing in this season, don't do it without me. Somebody touch your neighbor, tell them, don't do it without me. I hear, I hear that prophetic psalmist, Jojo Shoemate, saying, we're not going to miss it. We're not going to miss it. You're all around us. It's already happening. We're not going to miss it. I better quit because I feel something getting on me right now. We're not going to miss it. You're all around us. Somebody just do that. You're all around us. You're all around us. I feel a breakthrough coming in the spirit today. Somebody wasn't sure if God was for you. But if God be for you, who can be against you? Somebody say yeah. Ow. Somebody take a 10 second praise break right there. get stirred up about your future somebody get stirred up about your tomorrow somebody get stirred up hold on I need you to testify we gotta go on but I need you to tell three or four people in your area code tell the neighbor I 
still have a future. Ah, I still have a future. I still have a future. I still have a future. The devil told me I don't have a future, but my Bible said the devil is a liar. If the devil said you don't have a future, God sent me to remind you you do have a just expedite this little thing here. He said get to work. God doesn't stir you so you feel it. I'm glad I get to feel it. But he stirs you so you and I can get to work. Tell your neighbor say hey neighbor Get to work. I'm about to go there. Watch this. Get to work. Get to work. Get to work. Get to work. Well, I used to be a prayer warrior. Get to work. Well, you know, I used to dance in church and then I got hurt. Get to work. Well, I ain't never been to a church like this. And this place makes me feel so good, but I'm so nervous all the time. Because somebody's always excited. Get to work. We are not excited so we can be a brand of Christianity. We are excited because we have a job to do. People are going to hell and the, day, the devil is trying to destroy nations. We are not here to teach a little God doing little things on some little corner. Oh, my shandaya. We are here to put a megaphone on the message of the kingdom and get to work. We got to save some people. We got to rescue some folk. We got too many people to love. We got too much work to do. We got to get people out of poverty and off welfare and get them into a place where they don't rent the place. My God, I want them to own the place. Tell somebody, tell them, get to work. We got to get kids that are struggling with illiteracy reading. See, y'all not spiritual enough for this. Oh, I want to speak in tongues. No, I want you to speak in tongues. But somebody got to help kids who are failing in math pass a math exam so they can get a job. Get to work. He stirred them. The Holy Ghost stirred them so, so that they would get to work. And the Bible says, that they started the work but something happened and they got discouraged so that that first chapter 
Most of that is the, the, in fact, that whole first chapter is the first prophecy of Haggai. The second prophetic utterance that God gave Haggai happens here in the second chapter, verses 1 through 9. There were four prophetic oracles that God gave to Haggai in the book of Haggai. This one that I'm reading to you is the second one. And it is interesting to me. The timing of this is interesting to me. Can, can, can we not kill anything but everybody sit down? If, you can, if, if it's going to kill it for you to sit down, stand up. I don't care. I'm trying to be kind. But I got, I got to, oh my Lord. I got so blasted by the goodness of God last night. And this morning, I called Bev and she was blow drying her hair this morning. I said, what is that sound? She said, the blow dryer. I said, turn it off. She said, why? I said, because I just had a Devin moment. She said, what is that? I said, one of those wild revelations. The swirl. And I am studying this text and have been knowing I would preach this the week before Ruach. And my friend Bill Johnson often says, he is Jehovah Rapha, he is Jehovah Nisi, he's also Jehovah Sneaky. And sometimes he'll sneak one in on you. And, and, and I, got, I got snuck up on as I was studying this in the last 24 hours. In my, I was in my study last night in my office and I'm just, you know, finishing this, processing this message in my mind. And I had the thought from God Thank you, Lord. I should look at the timing of this prophecy. And I don't usually do that because I think to myself, what possible import of significance could there be in something that Haggai said almost 3,000 years ago relating to timing? It can't possibly be significant the time when Haggai said this. Oh, but I was wrong. God tells Haggai, you go prophesy and let me stir. Haggai prophesied, the Holy Ghost stirred, the people started working and things started happening. But if you read Ezra chapter 4 and 5, when they started rebuilding the temple, the devil got nervous and tried to distract them. So they pushed pause on building the house of God to focus on their own stuff. And Haggai stands up and says, uh-uh, oh no, we're not going to build our nice houses while the house of the Lord lays over here in ruins. I'm a kingdom person. You are not a kingdom person and neither am I if I invest more in my own house than I do in God's house. I got no help on that. And some of y'all are like, where's he going with this? I'm coming for you. Because we preach a cheap Christianity and tell everybody, Jesus came to make you happy. Jesus came to give you joy. And joy comes when you've laid everything down on an altar and said, it's not my life, but it's yours. For God I live and for God I die. And this mess of making choices that please you but break the heart of the Father, those days are coming to an end. He said... He said, watch this. I need you to look at the second chapter. I'm, I promise you I'm trying to wrap up here, but don't rush me, okay? Don't rush me. I was up to 1 a.m. with this, my Lord. Mm. Look at here. In the seventh month, 
on the 21st day of the month, the word of the Lord came by Haggai, the prophet, saying, speak to Zerubbabel, speak to Joshua, the high priest, to the remnant. And here's what he says. Who is left among you who saw the glory of the old temple? Remember, the old temple is now destroyed because the Babylons, the Babylonians destroyed it. Now they're building back a new temple. And the problem with the new thing God is doing, follow me right here, church. The problem with the new thing is it doesn't look as massive as the old thing. And Lord, if I had time to preach to some people who feel like the good old days are the best old days. Oh, but it was so much easier and simpler and and church was better. Let me help you understand something. You have got your eyes on the wrong king and the wrong kingdom because he never lets it end weaker than it began. I'm getting ready to show you. The Bible says that he he spoke to them and he says, watch this. Who is left among you who saw this temple in its former glory? How do you see this one now? In comparison with it is the new temple nothing to you? I know you like, this is what he's saying. I know you like the old temple. And all you see is the small footprint of this new temple. And when you look at this small footprint of this new temple, is that nothing to you? Are you depressed about what we're building? That's what he's saying. It's not as big as the old. But is this new thing I'm doing, God says, is it nothing to you? I want to caution the church about disregarding what God is building, even though it doesn't look like what used to be built. Is this nothing to you? Well, you know, we don't sing out of redback anymore. I know, but is this scream nothing to you? These songs, are they nothing to you? It's so funny. People, people say all the time, we stopped having Sunday night church, and then we started having it, and the people who complained about not having it don't even come. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He did say that. Is it nothing? I'm moving on. I'm hurrying. Yet, verse 4, now be strong, Zerubbabel. Be strong, Joshua. Be strong, remnant. And work, for I am with you. And I think this is amazing. Verse 5 said, according to the word I made you when I brought you out of Egypt. Y'all, that was hundreds of years before And hundreds of years later, they're in the middle of a project to advance the kingdom. And they're wondering, we got all this distraction and all this interference. Is God with us anymore? And the prophet said, I told you I was with you and I'd never leave you when I brought you out of Egypt. And here we are hundreds of years later and I got a word for you, Zerubbabel. I got a word for you, Joshua. Listen up, Remnant. I got a word for you. I'm still with you. Tell somebody, tell them he's still with us. 
I'm moving on. I'm done with this. Watch. Some of y'all are quit lying. Okay. <laughs> Once more, I will shake heaven and earth, the dry sea and the land. The, the sea and the dry land. Uh, the dry sea doesn't work. And I will shake all the nations. Watch this. God says, work, build it. If you build it, I'll send my glory. And the glory of this last smaller house that you're building will be greater than the glory of the former house that you used to have that I came to. Which tells me something significant. There are dimensions and depths to the glory of God. You do not stay in glory. The Bible said in Corinthians you move from glory to glory. Oh, I'm getting ready to preach right here. Because this mess of staying in the shallow end of Christianity... Well, that's just my flavor. Listen, family, glory is not a flavor of Christianity. Glory wipes you out, slays you on the floor, is absolutely unconcerned about your smeared mascara and your extensions laying over in the corner, your weave, whatever you got, your toupee. Glory is not concerned about you leaving and looking like you were well put together. Glory is about reversing curses and breaking cycles and delivering people and setting people on fire so that the world doesn't see a cardboard Jesus who has no power but the world sees a bride that is on fire glory he said the glory if you build this house watch this I will come anybody remember field of dreams if you build it they will come well in this text if we build the kingdom and build his peace and you say pastor that's the old testament the temple we are now the temple thank you for preaching my message we are no longer trying to build a building that houses god we have become li living stones that are built together you and i not brick and mortar bone and marrow flesh coming together you and i are knit by the holy ghost to each other and you and i become the temple through which the holy spirit lives says if you build it I'll send my glory I'll come and when I come to this little small thing that you're building the glory of what I'm bringing will be greater than the glory of what you had watch I'm done with this I promise and when I come the nations the nations do you understand this the desire of the nations is not religion. Read the text. The desire of nations is not our church. The desire of nations is the glory of Jesus whoo, that is moving among us. And he said, if you'll build the house, I'll fill it with my glory. And when I fill it with my glory, it'll be the greatest glory you've ever known. I feel this thing on me right now. And when you get in touch with my glory and you host my glory and you build this house, he said, when glory shows up, the nations will show up. And I felt like God put a prophetic unction in my belly today to announce to this house, it's not just us local that God's going to bless. God is about to bless the nations.
nations. God said, I'm looking for some people, not just one church. I'm looking for any people who will host my glory. I feel the Lord here. If you'll host my glory, the nations desire my glory. The desire of nations is not a preacher with another nugget to put in your notebook. The desire of nations is the glory of God resting on a people. And when the nations see that glory, they will come. This is where it gets cray-cray. I'm studying this last night. And the Lord said, look at the dates. So I start looking at the dates. In the New King James, it says, on the 21st day of the seventh month. Anybody else read that? Can I tell you what day that is? On the Hebrew calendar, it's the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles. Somebody with an iPhone, get it out right now. Hurry. I'm not just, I'm, I'm asking you to do this. Get, get your phone out, Google. If you've got Google, you need an altar call, but iPhones preferably, okay? So somebody get your phone out. Loser. Okay, I got you over there, Mateo. Nice. Okay, so everybody get your Everybody get your phone out. Somebody Google Feast of Tabernacles 2022. Hurry, please. Feast of Tabernacles 2022. Feast of Tabernacles. Feast of Tabernacles 2022. Somebody tell me when it started. Somebody, somebody just caught it. She was the first one to Google it. You're wondering why she's screaming. I'm getting ready to tell you. When did it start? The ninth. When does it end? Today. Y'all miss what I'm saying. I'm telling you, I caught something in the Holy Ghost last night. I got one more thing for you. This, this is a prophetic alignment moment, and I'm not just making this up. I do not get this kind of stuff from God all the time. But last night at 1230, the Lord said, I want you to look at the day. I want you to look at the time. I want you to make this announcement tomorrow that on this day, the last day of Feast of Tabernacle 2022, I want you to tell my people what I said to Haggai, I'm saying it to you. If you'll get stirred up and work, I'm going to send my glory and the glory of the latter house will be greater than the glory of the former house. And he, I feel like prophesying in this room right now. I prophesy that not only the glory of the Lord is coming in greater measure, but God said the desire of nations, the desire of nations is coming to this house and the nations will come for the rising of his glory. Not unto us, not unto us, but unto you be the glory, oh God. Stay standing, I'm through. But it gets one step crazier. It gets one step crazier. Haggai said, on the 21st day of the seventh month, which is Tishri, which on the Hebrew calendar is the month that we are in, and you're trying to find all this on the Gregorian calendar. That is not how this works. This is not October on the calendar of God. This is Tishri. And the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles is October 16, 2022. The Hebrew rabbis call this day Hashanah Rabbah. And it means the day of great salvation. Go study it. I'm not making this up. You go check me. But here's what's really crazy. John chapter 7. Jesus comes into the temple on the last day of the feast. What feast? 
did Jesus come into the temple during and make this announcement? None other than the Feast of Tabernacles. The last day of the Feast of Tabernacles. He stood up in the temple and said, If any man is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. For out of his belly, as the scriptures have said, shall flow rivers of living water. This spake he of the Holy Spirit who had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet been glorified. I have no clue what all this means, but I know the warfare I've been walking through is an indication and an announcement of an arrival that is soon to come to this house. And that arrival is not another gift. It's not another stage thing. It's not another bell and whistle. It is nothing less than the infest. It's the invasion of the glory of God. And it's a glory like we've never seen before. And it is not a us. It is an invasion of Jesus saying to lost humanity, if you're thirsty, I am the well of living water that will satisfy The big deal is Jesus. And a minute ago, I almost said infestation. And you know what an infestation is? It's when you get some stuff you can't get rid of. We're about to get infested. Invasion. You can't get rid of him. He's coming in great. Well, you know, I was raised in the old church. Boy, we had some good services. I know. But the best is yet to come. And somehow in the goodness of God, God lined it up on the last day of Feast of Tabernacles for me to preach about a prophet who prophesied on the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles, who pointed us to a Messiah who was coming and stood up in the temple on the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles and said, if anyone is thirsty, it doesn't matter what color they are. It don't matter what nation they came from. It doesn't matter where they belong on the ladder of socioeconomic belonging. He said, if any man is thirsty, let him, I'm asking you today, are you thirsty? I'm not asking you if you understand Pentecost. I'm not asking you if you understand all the deep things of the spirit i'm not asking you if you're a theologian i'm asking you are you thirsty in life if you are thirsty you will never find the quenching of your thirst through religion you will never find the quenching of your thirst through things in this world you will only have that thirst quenched by the presence of the king of glory who is the desire of all nations i tell you when he walks in we ought to fall down and worship him and cry holy Holy is the Lord. Somebody begin to praise him right now. Oh, we gotta go in a minute, but somebody begin to pray the des- praise the desire of nations. Hallelujah. So, Father, in the name of your Son Jesus. I prophesy and declare in harmony with your word and those things which you have spoken to me in prayer. I declare and I decree that we will rise 
We will work and we will build. Stir our hearts for the building of your kingdom. And I pray, God, that when we get tired of working, you'll stir us afresh and anew. Somebody in this room today is tired. And you need God to stir your spirit. Lift your hand if I'm talking to you right now. Just lift your hand. Don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed. You don't even have to come down for this. You can stand right there where you're at. And if you just need God to stir your spirit up, lift your hand. Feel the Holy Ghost working in this room right now. If somebody near you got their hand up in the air gently, just, just lean, lean over and lay your hand on their shoulder. Come on. Before we pray for anything else, I feel the Holy Ghost telling us to pray for a stirring in the atmosphere. Come on. We're going to pray for everybody today, but I'm going to pray for people first who say, Pastor, I just, I've known the things of God. I just need to be stirred afresh. I need to be stirred afresh in my spirit. I don't want to miss this season. I don't want to miss what God is doing. I don't want God to do it without me. I need to be stirred. I, I need him to stir me up. I want to feel again. I want to hear him again. I, I need that sensitivity be restored in my life. Come on, pray. Come on, just a few more minutes of it. Pray for him right now. Lord, stir him up break off. Uh-huh. Thank you, Spirit of God. I see a hard shell breaking off somebody's spirit right now. It's like your spirit got hard and it got, it got real hard and impenetrable and it's like the enemy just put a coldness on your heart. Well, it's coming off right now. It's coming off right now. I pray for the fire of God to thaw every heart. Come on, people of God. Come on, people of God. Somebody pray for your neighbor. Oh, God, thaw us. Let the fire of God moving us again. Stir our spirit up, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Somebody's got cynical. You've gotten skeptical. you got cold on him. It's, it's just part of the journey, and the enemy's trying to isolate you and push you away from God. But today you're feeling pulling a little bit. I'm telling you, he loves you. He loves you. I don't care what you've done and how far away you feel. He loves you. And he's, he's pulling you closer. He's pulling you closer now. Stir us up, Lord. Stir us up, God. Stir us up. Stir up the gift. Stir up the gift. Come on, family. We got time to do this. Stir up the gift, Lord. Help us to fan the flame. Don't let us lose the fire. I need about 300 of y'all to help me pray in the Holy Ghost right now. Oh God, we praise you. Somebody's going to get their faith back. Somebody's going to get the inner witness of the Holy Ghost back today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I feel it. I see tears flowing. I see hearts melting. I see ears coming open to the voice of the Spirit. Come on, people of God, something's happening. I praise you for it. On this last day of the Feast of Tabernacles, you are reminding us, this house, that you are the desire of nations. People want the glory of the Lord.
Second thing I want to pray for. If you're in the ministry of any kind, and when I say that, I mean you're in vocational ministry and you minister and travel for a living or you work at a church or some parachurch ministry, but your full-time life is devoted to ministry, lift your hand. I know that's not everybody, but I know it's some people. Just lift your hand. I'm going to pray for everybody in this room like that. Somebody near you has their hand up. Gently lay your hand on their shoulder right now. Stir us. God, stir the ministers. Don't let us get cold and apathetic and complacent. Stir us. Come on, I want my pastors to pray for one another right now. Everybody on this staff, pray for each other. We're not going to get cold. We're not going to get cold and go through motions and play games. We're going to stay on fire. We're going to stay on fire. We're going to stay on fire. I can't do this without him. You can't do this without him. We need him. Come on, we need you, Jesus. We need you. We need you. We need the desire of nations. We need the desire of nations. Come on, pray for 30 more seconds for your, that person who lifted their hand. Help us, Lord. Help us get stirred. God, I pray for Ruach. There's a whole bunch of preachers and pastors and leaders that are descending on this house. I'm asking you to stir us up. Come on, somebody. Stir us up. Come on, take somebody by the hand and pray prayers of agreement right now. Stir us up, Lord. Almighty God, don't let us leave unstirred, but stir us for your glory. Stir us so that we'll work for the kingdom in the name of Jesus. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Everybody put your hand down. I want to pray for this, this precious last group that's last in our order of prayer, but certainly not last in our heart. I want to pray for anybody in this room today who feels like you're a million miles away from God. And life has left you thirsty. I just want to sing strength in my life again. Because somebody feels so many millions of miles away from God and he's not that far away it's just one turn in his direction just a turn one look at Jesus there is room at the cross for you there is room at the cross for you though millions have come there is room for one at the cross, there is room for you. I haven't thought about that song in 20 years. But somebody's wondering if there's room. All these people who've come to Jesus, Bishop, and you mean to tell me he will save me? I'm telling you, he'll save you. He'll quench your thirst. 
heads are bowed and eyes are closed and we're going to open our eyes in a moment but I want to ask you right now if you know you need Jesus I, I don't know what you need him to do I don't know how far away from him you feel but if you know you need him and your soul is thirsty and you want to say yes to him he is the desire of nations and he came to save you and I today this is Hoshana Rabbah, the day of great salvation. And while I believe he's taking this church into prophetic alignment, and I, while I believe we're being stirred to work, I feel that. While I believe that the Lord is increasing his glory in this place, I want to tell you that the greatest salvation we could ever encounter in this place is the salvation of a life who feels so far away from God and defeated but wants him to save them. While your head is bowed and your eyes are closed, if you say, Pastor, that's me and I need to give him my life, I don't care how screwed up you feel. Thank you, sir. I already see hands. I don't care how messed up you think you are. If you want him to save you, lift your hand up in the air and say, Pastor Kevin, pray for me. I need a drink of living water. Lift your hand. God bless every one of you with your hand up. Put your hands down. Everybody look at me. I don't care if you've known the person on your left and right your whole life. I don't even care if you never met them before today. I want you to look at your neighbor. And I want you to say, do you need someone to go to the altar and pray with you today? If you do, I'll go with you right now. Ask your neighbor all over this room. If you lifted your hand, or you should have, when your neighbor asks you that question, I want you to come out of your seat and come meet me right here in this altar. I want to give my life to Christ. God bless you, young man. Come on. Come on. Come on. People are coming. God bless you, bros. Come on. Come on. Come on. They're coming down this aisle. They're coming down this aisle. There's... Come on. Come on, they're coming. Come on, pal. Come on. Come on, Jesus. There is room at the cross for you. There is room at the cross for you and though millions have come there is room yet for one at the cross stretch your hands toward this altar pray for these precious brothers and sisters like you wish somebody would pray for you at the cross at the cross where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart rolled away it was there by faith I received my sight and now I am happy Now take your neighbor by the hand while they pray. Father, I pray for the increased measure of glory to come on this house. I pray that we would see you more clearly. 
we would hear you, Lord, more nearly. I pray, God, in Jesus' name that the space between heaven and earth would shrink in this house. It would be a thin place, a place of divine glory and presence where people encounter the goodness of God. Seal every blessing. Seal every promise and prophetic word today. I declare in harmony with heaven that as we build your kingdom, you will send increased measures of your glory and the nations will come to see the desire of the nations. In Jesus' name. Now lift those hands and give him praise. Come on, let's just praise him all over this room. Praise him like we're welcoming him. I know we're getting ready to go, but somebody praise him like you're all right if he takes us from glory to glory. Listen, I love you. Get some lunch, get some rest. Get back here tonight at 6 p.m. Go in the peace of Jesus. We love you all and see you tonight at 6. God bless. Friend, I believe God is a miracle-working God, and the greatest miracle that God could ever work in your life is the gift of salvation. And I believe today somebody's watching me who says, Pastor Kevin, would you pray for me? I want to give my life to God. I want to serve the Lord. I want Jesus to save me. Let's pray this prayer together today. Mean it in your heart. Say, dear God, I repent of my sins. I turn to you today, Lord Jesus, believing that you're the Son of God and that you died for my sins. Forgive me, Lord Jesus. Come into my heart and be the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Listen, friend, if you prayed that prayer, I want you to go to kevinwallace.tv, and I just want you to drop us a prayer request and let us know that you gave your heart to Christ. Our team want to pray for you. We want to make sure that you're in a good, loving, Bible-believing church wherever you're from and that you continue to grow in your walk with Jesus Christ. The best days of your life are still ahead of you, and we're praying for you today. God bless. I look forward to seeing you next week right here.